Hi, I'm Todd Leader. I'm a registered psychologist and a registered social worker, and I work as a consultant in mental health and addictions and teach at St. Mary's University. So, yeah, thank you for coming back uh, with us today. I mean, because the cameras were trying to hold us out from getting all the knowledge, but um, kind of going back to what we were talking about last time, me and Jared were talking about before, and we actually ran a workshop for um, at-risk youth this past week, and we were talking to them about decision-making and logic versus emotion. And I kind of want to talk to you about that because um, it kind of seemed like your whole mantra is, what's next? I mean, this happened, but I'm not going to dwell on it. What's next? And in making that decision for what's next, um, how do you grow during that process, you know, by being able to notice when it's emotion that's going to that's gonna hold the upper hand on making a decision versus logic and how to balance the two or which one to use, and, you know? Well, I think it, it's, I don't want to oversimplify it, you know, but it, it, there is a process, I think, of, of practice and doing this. So when something happens that you don't want to happen, something bad, sad, angry, something, you know, other, those kinds of feelings come about, you, you can't not feel them. You can't make yourself just not feel a feeling that's coming. You, but you can, over time, practice learning to notice what it is you're feeling. Because lots of us go through life and don't notice what it is we're feeling. Now, did you ever have one of those days where somebody else points out to you that you're cranky mm. and you didn't know you were? You know, like someone would say, hey, what's wrong with you today? What are you, what are you being so snappy at me for? You get that kind of response. And you find yourself thinking, well, what? nothing wrong with me. But then afterwards you realize, yeah, my mood's been off. I've been feeling down or angry or something, but you're not really aware of it. We don't pay enough attention to what our feelings actually are. We just sort of have them sometimes, and that's what ends up leading us to making decisions based on feelings because we're not really aware that they're there. You know, we, do, we make some decisions impulsively because we happen to be in an angry mood or a, a cranky kind of mood or something like that or a sad mood. But it, the better we get at paying attention to what we're feeling, the better we're able to recognize it. And then by recognizing it, we get to control it a little bit. We get to actually feel it, but, but intentionally try to move into more of a rational decision-making kind of mode. Even though you're still feeling that, you can still say, okay, I, I know what I really feel like doing right now, mm. but I know that's not the best decision to make. I'm still gonna walk away feeling angry, but, but, but I'm gonna to try to make the right decision at the same time. So it's not that you don't feel it, it's that you, you, you become better at recognizing it so that you can keep it in its place and not have it be the boss of the decision making. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That allows you then to end up in a really crappy situation and still make a pretty decent decision for yourself. And yeah, you still might walk away feeling crappy that's quite possible, but will you have made the right decision for what's next? Because that's still the main question, is what's next? And if your next move is something that comes out of anger or sadness or grief or something like that, it's likely not going to be the best answer to the question, what's my next best move? You know, what's next for me? What do I do next, given whatever has happened? Mm -hmm. So building off of what we talked about, and uh, in terms of how you're talking about being present so that you're, you're not just reacting, you're kind of being aware of that. Uh, and when we talked <clears throat> about, the, about sports, 
you kind of gave us the reference that in sports you train and you train and put in all that time to have perfection when in reality perfection makes up 10% whereas the reaction actually is 90%. So in terms of going into you know a situation where you have a few things or I guess the facts uh, and then the rest of it is just how it happens as it happens to you. How can someone consciously or proactively go about managing that? Well, I guess it, 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 it comes down to first recognizing that most of the stuff that happens to you, it, 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 it's not um, completely within your control. I mean, things happen. You do control, though, how you respond to it. That's where you need to keep your focus. So, yeah, so in a sport, so like I said, you know, it, it might... Uh, you might run drills in basketball, and you've got these plays that you've got perfected. Or in football, you you know they're they're perfected. You can run them over and over and over, but you don't actually have the other team in front of you at the time. Well, and they might actually think differently than your teammates that are running against you, right? And so one person does some random thing that you didn't expect, and sorry, that play stops. It stops running it the way it was supposed to, no matter what the sport. Is. The question is, did you go into it expecting it to run perfectly, or did you go into it expecting it to run imperfectly and being ready to change, ready to adapt? If you go in thinking it's gonna run perfectly, you will not be prepared to adapt to change. If you go in knowing it's not going to run perfectly. So, so the approach is just as important as the response. It's the expect, expect change. Expect to have to adapt. So you're always watching for, for what's changing so that you can adapt to it. You know, the, there's a little saying, that the, only thing that, the only thing that's predictable in life is change. And, you know, and it's, it's really true. I mean, think about your relationships, your school, you prepare for a test, you're in sports, you're, you know, you've got a girlfriend one day and you don't the next. I mean, all these things, things change. Things change. And so, Knowing that that's reality allows you to, to start to kind of prepare for that and expect that to happen and not get stuck in a routine of thinking everything is going to go exactly as I planned. And uh, so expecting it matters because then when it happens, it's not a shock. It's, you know, you're able to say, okay, you know, stuff that I don't like happens. So now what? What do I do next? I can't change the past. It has happened. That player did something I didn't expect, and now the play is off in this game. Or I didn't expect my girlfriend to say that to me. Or I didn't expect to fail that test. Or I didn't expect to lose my job. Okay, but it's already done. So now, in this moment, in the middle of a, of a game, in the middle of a relationship, in the middle of a career, in the middle of a course, something has happened. And if you're going to dwell on that emotionally, you're not getting anywhere. The question is, can you recognize what it makes you feel, but then think about now, what's my next move in order to come out of this okay, in order to still move forward in life and not get stuck, in order to still win the game, in order to still pass the course, in order to salvage the relationship, what is my next best move? Why am I feeling sad or shocked or angry? I was thinking during that point where something happens, and you need to react that there is an element of motivation needed for that next step. Um, that's just kind of what I got from it. And for that motivation, is there a guiding belief that you have 
um, that gets you through every day? Yeah, um, well, I guess the, the, the key distinction that I, I talked about before, but I'll reiterate, is that, that we're, we're more motivated to try to achieve something than to try to run away from something. So we're, we're, we have higher levels of motivation for, for trying to achieve a goal than we do for trying to avoid a failure. So achieving success is better for us than avoiding failure. So if in the middle of a game or a relationship or a course, if your motivation, because of something bad happening, if your motivation then is, oh my God, how do I now avoid failing? You're not going to have the level of motivation that it takes to succeed. You have to continue to still keep your, as they say, keep your eye on the prize. You can continue to run towards something, not away from something. So it's not about how do I survive the course, it's how do I still do well in the course. It's not about, oh my God, how do I just salvage this moment in the game? It's how do I still win? How do I still get that ball back? It's, so focusing on what your original goal was and never taking your eye off of that, that's what will keep your motivation level up, as opposed to starting to fear failure. And when we start to fear failure, you know, motivation drops. Mm -hmm. You see it every day in every, every aspect of people's lives, you see that. And then they start to, to fear that they're going to fail, you can see their emotions go flat. You can see their energy level drop. And you certainly see that in the middle of a game, in any sport. You can see the people who have just felt fear of failure. You know, when you get scored against, you can just see everything drop. But those who still hang on to the, uh, the, the dream or the vision or the goal of winning, they're the ones still working. So unpacking that, because I absolutely agree, and as you're talking, like you're saying, I'm, I'm having flashes to, yeah. to whether it's games or even uh, books and the kind of discussions that we've had in class talking about that. Essentially, I think there's a distinction because that's a, that's a mentality, that's a mindset that people have that will actively stay in a strong mind state versus those people that'll come up with some with some adversity and will you know regress. And, and I think getting there is, is difficult. But I think even once you're there, obviously being present is a component of that. But but how do you maintain that? Because it's very easy to drop and to kind of revert back, even if you're somebody that's very on top of your game. Uh, at that moment, if you make a mistake, all of a sudden, what, what's going to stop you? Uh, maybe it, whether it's planning or, but how how can you stop yourself from slipping back? Well, I think that that is probably something that happens for most people sometimes. For some people, as you said, it happens more often than others. So there's going to be individual differences between us, right? Some people are certainly much more able to just stay focused on the goal and keep the motivation up, and others are more easily thrown off emotionally, right? And so the motivation drops. But we all experience that at some point. We all have had those experiences where it's hard to stay, to keep that focus. It's hard to keep sort of emotionally strong in that moment. <clears throat> I'm not sure that there's a magic answer to that, except that the more you are attuned to your own emotions, the more you learn to, to be aware of what you're feeling, the more you're able to be able to, to intervene before it drags you down. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, I mean, if you're not aware, 
Well, then in the middle of a game or in the middle of a career or in the middle of whatever, something bad happens, you don't, you don't know that, that you're regressing and, and, and dropping and, leave, and losing your motivation. You don't recognize it because you're not really aware of the feelings you're having. You're just kind of going through the motions. The more sensitive you are to specifically what you're feeling, the more you can, you can almost hear your feelings saying to you, ah, we're going to lose this game, or I can't believe I screwed up, or I'm never going to succeed at this thing I'm trying to do, you know, or I'm never going to pass this course. If you can kind of hear those inner voices, get good at listening for them. If you can hear that stuff, then you have the ability to argue with that voice. And, and to say, well, no, that's not true. That's not true. So I've, I've, just, I've spent this past, um, this past year writing a book and trying to build uh, kind of a movement for change in the mental health system, but also trying to build a career around it. And, and uh, you know, I've managed to stay optimistic through most of it, but I've, I hit a, a couple of weeks uh, recently, a couple of weeks where I just felt discouraged and pessimistic, which is not my nature. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty solid optimist, generally, but it still happens. And the, the secret, though, to recovering from that is noticing it and then deciding, okay, well, that's, that's simply not good enough. You know, I got to keep my eyes on the prize, keep my eyes on the goal, which is to get this message across the country and to, and to build an army of advocates who want to scream for change and to give them the tools they need to make the change and, um, and stay focused on the goal, not fearful of the failure. But it starts with being self-aware. It starts with practicing every day, paying attention to what you're feeling so that you notice. So you notice when an emotion, when a feeling is going to drag you in the wrong direction, and then you can you can deal with it. I'm not saying don't feel it. I'm saying you can be aware of it and then still make good decisions. No, I, I definitely hear that. Um, that I think you do. Need, I know you need to practice it because it is a skill. Yeah. And uh, it is tough, but um, that's how you grow, right? But um, boiling it down, what is the one thing that you value the most in life? The ability to influence positive change around me. Whether that's in individuals or in society more broadly. That is absolutely my number one passion and thing I value the most in my life. Is that, just don't tell my family I said that. Because <laughs> of course, you know, of course, family, they're, they're up there, but, yeah, family you know, but aside from that, it is, it's the, it's the ability to actually cause change to happen, positive change to happen. Building on that and, and kind of tying it to what we are talking about, um, where essentially your resilience or your experiences is going to be a spectrum and it's going to always be shifting, just as your mental health or your physical health is. Um, so as a leader and as somebody that wants to not only be aware of your own emotions and, and aware of getting outside of your own groove, we'll say, when you're aware of that in other people, whether their mental health state is, is low or not, what are the steps you can take so that you can help pull them up and, and if you notice that they're slipping out of their state, what are some things that you could do to help them? Great, good question. There's two separate answers come to mind. One is, if it's somebody that's struggling with, uh, with some actual kind of mental illness, 
Well, that's that's one thing. That's where you know your job is really the best thing you can do is uh, shut your mouth and use your ears. That's the, the the best thing. It's not let's talk. It's let's listen. So it's really starting that, making sure that the person feels heard, so that when you're listening, you're not thinking about what you're going to say next. You're not trying to think of some witty advice that you can give them. You're just listening to them, and. And if there's a need for more professional help, help them get that. If it's not at that level, it's just somebody who is being thrown off their motivational game, kind of, and, or is just losing focus on their goals or losing their drive to achieve whatever they're trying to achieve, um, or starting to make bad decisions based on just based on emotion, uh, then I think the best thing you can do is help them to see and get excited about what the future can be for them. It's about inspiring people. It's about making them feel legitimately that they have the power to influence their own future. You know, we, we use words like empowerment like crazy. Everybody uses empowerment, you know. It's, it's, it's thrown around as if it's nothing. but. The idea of empowerment is actually helping somebody else to recognize and truly believe that they honestly do have power to influence their own lives, the future of their own lives and others around them. And that's, that is a simple fact. Everybody has a certain amount of that. We all have different levels of privilege and influence in our lives and all that stuff. But the bottom line is that the more you can make somebody believe that they really can influence the future and achieve the goals they're talking about, that belief itself will cause their motivation to go up. Just the belief itself will cause their energy level, their motivation, their mood, their determination to increase, just because they believe they can. So, you know, if we had a brick wall in front of us and I gave you a plastic spoon and I said to you, I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can dig a hole through that brick wall by morning. Would you stay and try with a plastic spoon? You're going to have no fingers left at the end of an hour. So of course you're not going to. But what if I said, okay, I'll give you a metal spoon from my kitchen drawer. Would you stay and try? Are there cameras? I'd probably, I'd probably try. What if I gave you a hammer? So what has changed between those three scenarios? Tools. Yeah, but what does that change? Why does that change your thinking? Perception of success. Mm -hmm. Right. It's completely about your belief in whether or not you have the power to achieve that goal. That's the only thing that changed, is your belief in your likelihood of success, your belief in your own control over the outcome. The more you believe it's possible. So change people's beliefs. Help them to see that the thing they're facing is manageable is achievable realistically by help, helping them to realize that maybe it's not as big a challenge as they thought it was or that they have greater amounts of support and help to help them get there than they realized. It's either one of those, right? Either help them to see that they have more potential and support to get there or that the problem they're facing isn't as big as they thought it was. You change either one of those, they end up believing that they have a hammer instead of a plastic spoon. I'm Todd Leader, and this is my voice.